You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Welcome to an episode of the Formed and Sent podcast, a podcast uh, by and for the Village Church that gathers in downtown Hamilton, Ohio. My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors of the Village, and with me today is uh, Michael Graham. Wave your hand, Michael, for those who are watching. He's one of the pastors of the Village. And then uh, with me today also is Matt Tucker. Matt Tucker, you can wave to the people who are watching. Greetings to you and yours. He is also a pastor of the Village Church. We all do basically the same thing. this is basically one person's job split three ways, so it's pretty pretty easy. <laughs> Super valuable. Super valuable. Usually what would happen is we would be, like on a normal podcast day, we'd be sitting around the same table, and so I can like, and with me today is, and then like point to the person next to me. Uh, can't do that, and Zoom apparently doesn't always have the same order of stuff on the screens, and so like I can't point to Michael or Matt and have them, you know, like on cue introduce themselves so not with confidence at least not with confidence i could try to point but you know i don't know who's talking so yeah. uh cool all right uh well today we're going to continue our uh our series about the bible um today in particular we're going to look at uh just uh genre and all sorts of other things basically like looking at how we can set ourselves up knowing what we're getting into uh whenever we do crack open um, a book of the bible to start reading um, before we jump in, though, uh, I do want to give a little bit of an update on the, the giveaway um, that we're doing for this particular series. Um, if you send us a question or a prompt or a, something that you want us to, uh, to talk about in a future episode of the podcast, could be another series. Um, it would be great if it was about the Bible in particular. We're, we're trying to do a, a Q&R, Q&A kind of episode at the, uh, at the end of the series. Um, and so if you want to send us something like that, a question, a prompt, uh, you will be entered to win uh, a bit of a bundle of resources uh, for uh, the scriptures for for studying and reading the Bible. And so, I want to give an update on what those are. We have uh, we have the the bundle put together uh, for you all. We have uh, an ESV readers Bible, um, which is uh, basically a, uh, an ESV version of the Bible without uh, without verses, without cross references, no notes. It's it's literally just the text, uh, which um, some of us use for just reading. Uh, devotionally, just kind of skimming and raking through the text. Really good. Uh, another um, book in the bundle is a CSB study Bible, uh, which is a, a different version of the Bible. Uh, the ESV is the one that we use for kind of village things. That's the, when we read the focal passage, it's an ESV um, translation. The CSB is different, but it's also one that we like around the village, but this has got uh, a ton of study notes and stuff like that in it for those of you who want to study. Uh, and then we have a, an illustrated Bible dictionary um, from Zondervan. It's their uh, premier reference series. It's got like <clears throat> 7,200 entries in it. It's a, it's a big thing. Lots of words, but also lots of pictures. So if you like pictures, uh, it's, it's a win. And then uh, we have Habits of Grace, which is a book that, um, that Michael has referenced a couple times throughout the series. Uh, it's called Habits of Grace, Enjoying Jesus Through the Spiritual Disciplines by, by David Mathis. And so it's not a Bible study book, but it's a, a book about what it looks like for us to read and engage and, and enjoy uh, the Bible. And then the other two things that we have uh, are uh, some old books by uh, a, a guy named Mark Driscoll, which some of you may or may not know. Uh, but he, he wrote these uh, gems, like these little packed, dense books, but they're super teeny tiny. Uh, it's a, it was a series called Books That You'll Actually Read. 
Um, and two of them were, uh, were on the Old Testament and on the New Testament. So uh, we're including those two uh, in the bundle as well. So it's a total of six books. Uh, and man, we, we hope that whoever wins that, it'll be a, a gift uh, to you all and you guys will actually enjoy that. So um, just a, a reminder to send in your stuff and we want to let you know what you're, uh, what you're in for if you happen to, to win. So whoop, whoop. sounds good. Can, uh, mem can members of our family submit stuff or are they not eligible? <laughs> for this? Uh, absolutely not. They can certainly send stuff in, but they can't win and neither as, can you. As you long as they're in the contiguous 48 states. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Only, only shipping in the U.S. For all, for all of our international listeners out there, Michael, you cannot submit uh, questions with Titus's name uh, or Spurgeon's. Thank you. I know. All right. Cool. Well, uh, like I said today, we want to talk a little bit about um, just the importance of like knowing what you're getting into before you uh, before you crack open a book of the Bible. And so uh, I thought it was appropriate. We kind of do this um, when it comes to our sermon series at the village. Uh, Michael puts together. Um, a series setup uh, before every every new series we kick off at the village, and so I want to ask uh, Michael and, and Matt. You can speak to this too. Like, why do we do that? Uh, maybe maybe explain what it is. Even like, what is a series setup, and then and why do you do that? Yeah, so we're getting ready to jump into a new book. Um, I'll say the first reason I do that is for me, um, really to just make sure that I have my head around what's what what we're going to be getting into. Um, and so there's some historical background stuff, um, where it kind of fits genre stuff, which we'll hit on, um, where it fits in like re redemptive history, uh, some, some things in that, and then kind of just an overview. And sometimes I take those, um, from other resources and, and just point a few paragraphs in there. Sometimes I'll write it up, um, myself, but, uh, really just helps me first and foremost, get a handle on what we're getting ready to be walking into. So that I'm not, um, you know, three chapters in and then caught off guard by uh, some topic or theme or something that comes up. And then uh, then the second thing is for the Village Church. Um, and, and when we put those things together, um, the idea is that the hearers of sermon after sermon, week after week, uh, and, and as we're sifting through those things on our own and, and in community group and all those things, that the hearer would understand where that particular passage, sermon, conversation, um, chapter, it, where it sits within the, the, the bigger uh, story and where that bigger story sits within the whole council of scripture. And so really to equip hearers to make the best of, you know, our sermons, conversation, discussion, all that stuff, so that we know where, you know, we're not just blindly starting and jumping in somewhere so that we know where it sits to build the context around it. And um, I know I, I find that super helpful for me from a preaching perspective and from a hearing perspective. And uh, man, I hope that serves the church in those ways. Yeah, <clears throat> that's good. I know a lot of times too on there, it's helpful. Scott and I don't preach a lot as much as you do, but it helps us to know where to jump in as well. I think sometimes on there, you have like the passages broken out through, through the mm -hmm. chapter and that's helpful for, I think people to see and then also for us, when we preach occasionally, it's helpful for us to get that big picture. So we're kind of not just like all of a sudden diving into something new, but we, we kind of know where your head's been. We kind of see some of the background. We see what's coming before and after. And I think it's really helpful for us too. Yeah. For those of you who are watching on the podcast, this is usually what they look like. Usually it's, it's, uh, it's combined front and back, uh, but it's, it's really cool. I mean, there's uh, uh, I mean, he even puts a map on there. So there's like, a, again, there's a picture for those of you who like visuals. 
um, links to commentaries and stuff like that for those um, who are interested in learning more and digging in on their own. So it's, it's super helpful. Um, I think it serves the church really well. It, it gives the church a picture of where we're going to, you know, like sometimes we're not exactly sure how long we're going to be in a book or what's the arc or, you know, how are we breaking this down? And it's just, it's, it's great to like have thought through and know like where we're headed together and what to expect over the coming weeks or months or however long we're in it. So super good. Um, so uh, we do that for, for our sermon series for, like you said, Michael, for yourself as, uh, as a teacher, as a preacher, but then also for those who are, her, who are reading and listening along. Um, when someone's about to like crack open the Bible and read a book on their own, uh, could you guys speak to the importance of, of maybe having something similar or doing some similar work in terms of uh, setting up for themselves what they're about to, to get into in a particular book. Absolutely. Um, I almost think just to give a visual, it's like, can you imagine getting into a book and not having done any of that? It's almost like someone's blindfolded and going for a long car ride and then you just like let them off somewhere. And all of a sudden you're like, you know, they have no bearing <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden giving them the map. And that's kind of like the setup in a way where I don't do tons of extra work on the front, but a lot of times, even in the ESV study Bible, they give you three or four pages of like who the author is, who is he speaking to, all those things. And that's, that's helpful for me. But what that does is that kind of gives you your bearings as to where you are, kind of the time frame, who the audience is. And it's helpful as you get into then the book or whatever you're reading, the chapter, to kind of know what the main ideas are. And it just, I think it's kind of almost sets a foundation for you to like then enter into it in a correct way. Yeah. That's really good. I think, um, one of the, one of the downsides, uh, maybe there are a few, uh, to having the Bible all in the same type font, all in the same, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's consistent is, is to think that it's all written in the same way or, or, or whatever. And, um, if I gave you a tax code, uh, you know, book or whatever, and, and in your mind, you thought this was a letter from a friend to someone else you would be like confused or, or if I give you a grocery list and you thought I was trying to convey some information to you about our relationship, <laughs> you'd be like, well, yeah. what does he mean by, you know, getting a, you know, bag of chips? Like, what is he trying to, and so like, we do that all the time. We, we consider kind of uh, where things fit all the time. And so as we think about, and we can get into this, but like the idea of genre, um, it's so important because it, as I say, when we talk about preaching and developing preachers, like we want people to be able to like, we want to, to be brought into the living room of, of the original hearers of this text. And if we can do that and we can sit in the living room with them, then what we can do is we observe, uh, and this is uh, some preacher talk, but really it's, it's reader talk. As we observe what's going on in their life, in context, what they're going through, and some of it you extract. If somebody, uh, you're reading First Peter, and you just start reading, if, if you didn't have any of that background stuff, you just started reading, you would pick up pretty quickly that these people are suffering. So, okay, so these people are suffering. We don't know why, but he keeps talking about as you deal with trials and suffering. And so you kind of extrapolate backwards, but, but when we get that full picture, then we can sit with them in their living room. You look around, and as you read the Bible, you begin to, to like, um, uh, observe things and and then you can kind of declare things and then you can draw out uh, then and only then 
you get to draw out these universal truths that, that all people throughout all time have felt and experienced, then you can begin to like be shaped by the word. Mm-hmm. But to, to miss all that other stuff and, and jump just to like being shaped by the word is a huge miss on the way that God has put together uh, the Bible, his book to us. And so um, super helpful to get some handles on uh, some basic information to even begin making sense of what's in the text. Yeah. To the grocery list analogy, like if, if you saw that I had kitty litter on my grocery list, you would assume probably uh, that I would have a cat, which, which, but I I don't have a cat. (laughs) I'm I'm actually allergic to cats. Not particularly fond of cats. Uh, But, but But, but you also don't put kitty litter on your list. Well, but kitty litter, uh, I, I might have put it on there because I, I may or may not have spilled uh, motor oil in my garage. And so I may or may not need kitty litter to like help clean that up. Uh, I'm not saying that's ever happened before, but I'm saying it's possible. Uh, so like, but there's an assumption there. If you just pick up my grocery list, see kitty litter on it, you're, you're assuming that I have a cat when in reality, no, I actually don't. I, I, I can't have cats. You know, I, I actually spilled oil in my garage. So all that to say there is a, for, for every book of the Bible, there is an occasion for which it was written. You know, there's a reason why someone put pen to parchment or whatever, you know, and started writing something. Um, and, and I think it's easy for us just to kind of go into it assuming what that is. Um, and, and that might be assumptions that we bring in. That just might be assumptions we make as we are reading and come across words or phrases or things. Oh, like, I get that. It's like, well, I mean, if you don't, if you don't know what's happening around or what happened before or what's like what is the bigger context than it you may not actually know like why this is being written and therefore make some leaps to some conclusions that like that actually are are off base you know? absolutely sure yeah uh so man what kind of things uh you know talk about the the importance of kind of understanding some of this stuff what are some of the things uh that we need to be mindful of as we kind of walk through um the 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 bible and and how do those things like shape maybe the way that we actually read and understand it. Um, man, like there's so much. I know in past podcasts, we've even talked about just the one storyline and how you know, there's redemption through there and see interests um, in, in Christ. And we see even from this question, there's genre, you know, different types of genres that we see. Um, there's like types of Christ that you see. There's, it's just, it's incredible to like look at the Bible and actually consider all the different pieces that make it up. And then to know that, gosh, like we get to then over the whole length of our life, be a student of that word and, and try to look, look at each part of that and say, how does, how do I get to wrestle with this? How does this affect me? How does this show me about God? But for genres in particular, like I actually was doing some research on it because I didn't know all the genres, but I have like historical narrative, like the law, wisdom, literature, prophecy, um gospel um like there's epistles and even just in that it might sound overwhelming if you haven't cracked open the bible very much thing holy cow how many just genres are there let alone books in those genres but it's it's so amazing and somewhat overwhelming but let's just to crack open the surface of this yeah yeah i think of uh two things one like just the the what the cues five cues of journalism or what you know who, what, when, where, why, who, what, when, where, why. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> those are real. If you get a handle on those things, then like I, I think you can. Uh, to be clear, if, if I open up a uh, a minor prophet, one of those names that you've probably never heard of uh, in the Old Testament, and just start reading, I, I am deeply confused. Uh, and I might have some context about when that would have happened in, in, in relation to like the storyline of God's people. But if we, if we just don't know those things, it becomes difficult. And you can discover. And that's how people conclude these things. And so it's not to say that you have to start with extra biblical stuff. Uh, extra biblical being things that are outside of the Bible, but um, but man, if we can if we can get our hand like uh, a handle on a few of those things, it just makes um, at least knowing what like what kind of tone am I reading and what and who's writing to who is this a person to a, a church or is this a, a a prophet to a king or to a nation and, and and so some of those things are just super helpful who what when where why. Um, and then the other thing is, I don't know if this is the space for this, Scott, but I'm going to make it the space. I don't think we've talked about this, but um, just two two types of study. And I hope that that none of this is overwhelming. I think if, if you start with, what, three or four podcasts ago when we started this, it kind of builds. Um, we're not uh, professional theologians, and so we all continue to learn. But, but we hope speak, that... Speak for um, yourself. Yeah, well, Scott is, but... We hope that um, these words aren't like foreign to you. And if they are, man, you can ask us or you can look them up. Like, cause that's how we learned um, being around people who have conversations that sound like this, but um, biblical theology and systematic theology. Um, biblical theology is the storyline of the Bible. And in the storyline of the Bible, as we have talked about, you have Christ at the center. I, I read one of the uh, things you shout out, Scott was talking about, um, that all of the Bible is written in italics, all of it before Jesus slanted towards him and all of it after Jesus slanted towards him. And like, that is like a cool picture, but, but the, the biblical storyline is one of, of Christ, a rescuer, a redeemer, um, drawing back, you know, his, his people to himself. And, um, and, and biblical theology is that one story cover to cover and how, how does it all fit, you know, chronologically and, and all those things. But then there's systematic theology, and that's the study of God as it relates to thematic topics, where you take a topic and you burrow down and you put all of the references and all of the scripture and, and just talk about one particular topic. Those things are important when you're reading the Bible, because you begin to, to in your own study, develop spaces for those things. And you're like, gosh, I see how the storyline unfolds. But then, man, I, I read something about, uh, you know, whatever it is, a, a predestination. And I don't say that in a controversial way. That's that's a word in the Bible. Um, and so you you just kind of put a little in your mind, a little like ah, a little bookmark there. And then you read about it again. You're like, wait a minute. The Bible has more to say about it. So you can it's just a helpful consideration to think about those two types of study as we approach the Bible. Yeah, that's super great. Thanks for. Yeah, thanks for unpacking that. That's that's helpful, I think, for people who are listening. Um yeah, I mean, in terms of like, <clears throat> so maybe to, to hone in on like genre for just a minute, like what, how does that change? How does a book's genre change the way that we would maybe interact with it or read it or what we would be looking for, like as we go into it? I think it's important to know, like, if the book is more narrative, then it's like storytelling. 
And so it might not be something that we want to get all our cues from. And, and so like a story might say, hey, they did this thing. And it, the Bible might not be telling us to also do that thing, <laughs> yeah. right? But it, it's showing us what did happen and how God worked in and through a situation. But so it's helpful to know like, oh, narrative is describing a story of what happened or what God did. But again, it's not maybe telling us to, to do that or copy that thing. And so that's just one example of how knowing even from the Proverbs, this is something I always thought, you know, a while back, the Proverbs said, you know, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will never depart from it. But a person told me like, well, those are generally true. Proverbs are, it's not, if you do that, then God will do this. But it's more so like things that are helpful and regularly true. And so mm -hmm. it's just, as we read through there, it's just helpful to know what you're getting into. And, and all of them are so different from prophecy. Does it relate to now? Does it relate to future times? Again, it's just, it's so different. It's helpful to know what you're getting into before you get into it. So you know how to apply it to your life. So you know how to read it. That's great, Matt. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. I mean, and again, I, I mean, I don't always have a preacher lens on, but I, I think it's helpful for us as hearers uh, to, to think about things this way. When we get into a new book that, that I'm going to be preaching through, man, it, it freaks me out a little bit. And mm -hmm. I, I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, oh gosh, like, Exodus, you know, we preached 20 something uh, sermons in Exodus and, and leading into that, I'm, I'm freaking out a little bit because I'm, you know, I, I know it's a narrative. I know it's a story. And that means that the application stuff is a little more difficult and you're trying to extract some things and make connections versus going through to your point, Matt, um, an epistle, which is in the new Testament letters from, from an apostle to a church that, that he says, do this and don't do this. And do this and don't and so the application is right in front of you like it's it's just it's right there so then to make it um you know digestible becomes maybe a little more difficult and so i think when we're reading all those things are true as well um and and knowing if it's uh wisdom literature like proverbs or psalms and, and it's poetic then you're going to get flowery language and some of it might be lost in, in english translation versus uh original stuff and, and certainly some of the mnemonic uh, device stuff that, that's just lost in English. That's where a helpful study Bible would like help bring some of that stuff to life. But um, yeah, I mean, just, just knowing if you're reading a story versus knowing if you're reading, um, you know, the law, which we have portions of the law um, or uh, in, in Exodus, we're reading along and then suddenly there's a song. Mm -hmm. And so that song is going to be more flowery in language. It's going to look a little different. It's going to sound a little different. We draw different conclusions because it's a song uh, than when we're just reading the story. And so all those things, and, and the, I wish there's like, do these three things. Right. But there's not. And, and I hope this isn't overwhelming um, because you get to spend your life figuring this stuff out. Um, and just being a little more wise, maybe even, even tomorrow, if you're listening to this and you feel overwhelmed, you just get to be a little more wise at how you approach and think, what am I reading? Not just, I'm sitting down to read the Bible, but, but what am I reading in these pages? Where does it find itself? Um, yeah, that, that's, that's how genre informs what we see as readers, I think. Mm -hmm. And to that point, I think, uh, I think probably most of us are drawn to a particular kind of genre by and large. So like, I mean, if you ask, if you ask someone what they're reading for their like devotions, like by and large, <laughs> most people are going to say it's Proverbs or Psalms. Like that's just kind of, that is a go-to for a lot of people. 
Um, but, but some folks might be drawn to the more, you know, yeah, the more flowery poetic language. It's, it can be sweet and soothing or, or it like taps into emotion, you know, where people are. And, and so if you're like, um, if you have a high EQ, you might be drawn to, to more of the poetic, you know, wisdom literature, that kind of stuff. Um, if, if you love story, like you're going to be drawn to, you know, the, the more narrative uh, kinds of stuff. If you just, if you like, you know, concrete theology and doctrine and practice, like you'll be drawn more to the, the prose and, and Paul's letters and all of that stuff. Um, and so I think like most of us are going to be drawn and, and prone to reading one kind of genre or, uh, or maybe one specific era or time, like in the span of God's people. And so I think one of the things we get to, to be aware of is what we're drawn to, so that then we can like, we can read something different. We can challenge ourselves to read something different. Uh, so like, I mean, if, if you have never read like Leviticus before, because <laughs> that doesn't sound appealing to you, like that probably means that you should read Leviticus. You know what I mean? Um, because there's, uh, the, there's so much more to like the, I think that the human experience um, of, of God and God's interaction and what he inspires his people to, to do and to think and to write. Um, and there's just a lot more than maybe what we are naturally inclined to go towards. So yeah, like to, for, for us to be mindful of, of the genre that we're reading so we can break out and maybe pick up, you know, a, a different book in the Bible and read that and, and see what there is for, for us to learn and take away from that. It's good. Uh, what about author, uh, like the the person who actually wrote the book? Why is it important to know who who actually like penned um, or uh, or dictated, you know, like the words that we are reading? Um, I don't know. Uh, we, we don't know all the we don't know all the authors, but we do know most of them. We do know many of them. Um, again, it's just where is this coming from? Um, to know when you're reading a letter. Uh, let's say a New Testament letter or an epistle um, to know that that's, let's say Paul wrote that to a particular people that he had a relationship with. If you don't know that, then I mean, some of the stuff that, that he's going to say, and, and he talks about the relationship. And when I was with you, we had this, and, and now you seem to be against me. And, and, and you're just like, you can't, you can't get a hand on that. But when you know, that the dude who wrote this planted that church and he's now moved on and he's caring for them. Then you're like, Oh gosh, like that, that changes the way that I read this. That changes the way that I see his internal struggle with the way that they're responding to him. That changes the way that I see myself in my own local church. And, and so like, uh, I mean, that's just one example, maybe. I think that's helpful. And to know too, that each of them certainly were writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but they all had their own character mm -hmm. traits and they all had their own personality that kind of adds into the story. And you see Paul sometimes saying, I, not the Lord say this, but all of a sudden it's just kind of funny to see him interject. And Peter says, you know, Hey, Paul says some things that are tough. It's just cool to see like them insert who they are into it. I think one thing that's helpful is just as, as an example is reading Luke and Luke is a doctor, right? And, and he also writes Acts. But in that case, his, his, I think one of his goals is to prove like the resurrection and to prove the life of Jesus in those two books. And so he's very factual and it's cool because it's more believable because being a doctor, he is very factual. He's very knowledgeable. He's very studied. And it's just cool to see how God allows Luke to write those books, trying to prove those things 
in that in those two books of Luke and Acts. It's just kind of a fun fit. Yeah. In the inverse of that, you know, I talked about Micah and and getting into that. Like as I've understood, Micah is like basically like a country boy. It's like a country boy coming in to speak to God's people. And so like there's some like rough around the edges stuff. Uh, or or Peter, a fisherman, and yep. and him writing and saying, gosh, I know Paul's a little like, he's a little <laughs> tough to understand. But then to see just kind of the rawness of uh, the, the uneducated Peter, which is super cool. Like, yeah, you know. I, I think it lends itself. I mean, obviously, there's a, a vantage point <clears throat> that each writer has. And so it's, hey, well, why, why do all these books sound different, you know, or why do these books like sound pretty similar? Oh, well, Maybe it's because it's written by the, the same guy, you know, yeah. or uh, it sounds different because it's not written by the, the same people. And so, um, yeah, there's a, a vantage point that each author brings to the table. And there's also like credibility that goes along with that as well um, from a, an apologetic standpoint or from a, being able to, to, to feel confident um, in what we have or, or where it came. You know, if we don't know where, you know, this thing came from, how can we know that it's legit? And by and large, we don't know every single author of every book in, uh, in the Bible, but we know most of them. Uh, and even those that we're not sure about, there's some like traditional thought around who may have authored those things. Um, and so it, it lends some credibility when, you know, you know, Matt, you brought up Luke. Well, hey, he was a doctor, but he also like followed Paul around. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, oh, well, well, that's how he knows all this stuff. I mean, he certainly went and investigated other things, but like he, he literally followed Paul around on his missionary journey. Like that's how he knows this stuff. And so he has, he has grounds for like actually writing and recording this stuff because he was there for a good chunk of it, or he interviewed a lot of the people that, that witnessed, you know, what happened in his gospel. And so, um, yeah, so it lends definitely lends some credibility to, to what we do have, um, in the scriptures. Uh, in terms of time, like uh, when, when, when is this book being written? Like what's going on, you know, in the course of history when someone's writing this? Like what's the significance of knowing like the time that a particular book was penned? I'll go. Um, I, I think it's nearly the most important thing. If you have an understanding, a little bit of an understanding about how the story of God and his people have unfolded. I think we talked about it before about this swelling of, of one man, Abraham, you know, to, to a family, to a tribe, to a nation, to a kingdom. And then all that's reduced to one in Jesus. And then it expands again throughout the church. Just understanding that progression, um, knowing like, gosh, did they have a place of worship yet? Um, had the law, like, had the law been given yet? through Moses or were they still just walking like completely by faith and God saying, Hey, you're mine and I'm yours and we're doing this. Yeah. Like, did they know what we know? And, and so like, uh, in particular, when you look at the old Testament prophets, uh, and there's all kinds of other historical stuff that, that makes, um, your reading more rich. And, and even when you look at the idea that there was a kingdom and then that kingdom was divided and there were 10 tribes and, and two tribes. And then there were, uh, then one of those kingdoms was sacked and overtaken. Then the other one was sacked and overtaken. Like all that's like, Oh gosh, my brain's going to explode. But if you know where the prophets that are speaking to those people are, you're like, Oh, there wasn't, you know, uh, that kingdom didn't exist at this time. Or, or, or are they talking to the North or South? All those things just kind of fill in the gaps of, 
how we understand what's going on. And the time in which that happens is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think the Bible speaks a lot to time, even in regards to prophecy in the Old Testament. You think of them predicting, you know, so many hundred years before the coming of Christ or that this thing would happen. And I think certainly that's one way to also kind of prove the validity of the Bible. But it's just it's so helpful to know, too, if, if a book is coming before Christ and his birth and speaking to it, or if it's afterwards and also looking back on it, or if it's Revelation speaking to the future, knowing that the date that a book is written, like Paul or, not, or John being imprisoned and, and writing maybe one of the last books of Revelation, it's just cool to know that, oh, he wrote that after the life of Jesus, and it's, it's maybe, you know, 60 years after that or, or more, and it's cool to know those things as well. Mm-hmm. Not just for trivia, but also, like you said, Michael, it's kind of like a good placeholder <laughs> as well. Yeah, I didn't even mention that. Uh, B like B Dub's trivia, B Dub <laughs> trivia. You're gonna win that. You can uh, you can get all five uh, uh, answers on Jeopardy when the Bible is uh, is one of the categories. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's important to know that the Bible isn't organized in a chronological way mm-hmm. um, because that might be an assumption that people have is if you read it from beginning to end, like. Well, yeah, the first book of the Bible <laughs> seems to start at the beginning, and the last one seems to, to talk about the end. Um, but in between, like, there's not always this chronological progression through the scriptures. And so, I mean, you have, you get to, like, after a ways, then you get to Job, which a lot of people think is, like, one of the oldest books that was written. And then you get to the the yeah, the prophets, like, bounce all over the place. And so it's it's not necessarily, you can't read it from one book to the next to the next and get the chronological span of stuff. You get into the uh, you know, the, the more poetic stuff and you're reading about like, yeah, Proverbs and Psalms, David and, you know, Solomon wrote this and all of a sudden you're reading Lamentations, which is, you know, Jeremiah talking about stuff in the exile. And it's like, wait, well, what, I just read this thing and then what's going on here. And so um, just to be aware of when each book is written, it's not necessarily in chronological order the way that we have it today. Um, yeah. And, and that kind of matters. So you know what's going on. They do have a chronological Bible. I don't mm-hmm. think that's something we talk about a ton and certainly, you know, not neither here nor there, but if someone is interested in seeing those, the whole story kind of laid out from maybe beginning to end, I think that might be just a helpful resource as well. Yeah, that's great. It's a good thing to plug. Um, I kind of mentioned a little bit, but like in terms of knowing where a book was written, like where was the author when it was uh, put together, like how was that significant to understanding what, you know, what's going on in the book? You mean like, was he in the den or was he in the... <laughs> right. Yeah. Was sitting on the couch. At the local library. <laughs> was he, was he uh, behind his laptop? Michael's being assimilated into the Borg right now. <clears throat> that was a Star Trek joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Am I gone? I, I think you're good. Try again. Uh, Matt, do you want to go? That's what I said. Oh, oh so it sounds good. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't realize. I think the place matters a lot also. We would say that all these things matter a ton. Um, you know, gosh, it, it's helpful to know, like, yeah, some of the books were written from prison or Paul was under house arrest. And it, it's he's literally maybe even shackled two guards as he wrote. And so that plays a part in, in how he's writing. When he talks about not being near the church that he loves so much, you, I think because we know the place that he's at, it allows us to see his heart come through, his, his passion. He, he's a real person by knowing that he wants to be where his church is, but he's not present with them. 
And so that's just one example, but knowing where a book is written is, is, is valuable for sure. And getting an idea of it to know if it's like written in Jerusalem during a time of, of war and are they in the city that's being attacked or are they outside of it looking in or is Jonah writing about Nineveh, which is a city that is a long ways away that is not God fearing. And so like knowing where a book was written, knowing like the location or where he's writing about is just really helpful and getting, getting the big picture of why they're writing, who he's writing to and, and how all those things work together. You know, you yeah. Can you hear me? <clears throat> Richard, is this Richard? Am I good? <laughs> uh, it's a sound booth joke. Um, I think place in, in the next line is like kind of culture really go hand in hand because I mean, in time obviously is a factor in there, but um uh, cultural norms, um, how they saw things uh, in that moment, things that might seem stark to us and might not make any sense would have sat really well and quite obvious with the original hearers. And so just knowing, man, customs and those things, and that that is where, unless you are an Old Testament or New Testament uh, historian, that is, is like what I have found to be really one of the most significant impacts of a, of a solid study Bible or resource is like to just fill in some gaps about the, the place and the culture. I mean, even, even to your point, um, Matt, like uh, uh, Athens, you know, some stuff in Corinthians happening in Athens or in the New Testament. Man, is this a port city where, you know, where they're coming together and they're going to be going out all over from here. And so whatever happens is quite significant because it has a, a cultural impact on those around it or is it some is it uh nazareth out in the middle of nowhere or so just man, all, all those things super important for cultural background stuff yeah yeah matt mentioning paul like so when he writes that he is a prisoner of christ or refers himself to like a <laughs> being a prisoner of christ or a slave man that 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 takes on a new meaning when you know that he's on house arrest yeah. you know what i mean like he's he's speaking to his <laughs> current situation but but like drawing out of it, hey, that like I'm not a slave to, you know, these people. I'm a slave to. I'm still serving him, even if I'm on house arrest or whatever. And so that takes on new meaning when you actually understand what what is he, where is he, and what's going on in his life. Uh, I think about in terms of just like geography. Um, uh, when we were talking about uh, reading through the Israelites leaving Egypt, and then they like they kind of like go down and then they backtrack and and just that little like uh, before they get to the red sea and and so that makes pharaoh think that they don't know where they're going and they're stuck um and and that little thing like if, if you don't know the kind of the geography if you're not looking at a map and, and can't necessarily see that or put those pieces together like you kind of miss how god is just setting up pharaoh for a trap basically like an ambush to show how you know much more powerful he is and so like understanding the geography and, and kind of what's going on and where they're at like man that's like there's there's significance and meaning that's brought in to that Paul's missionary journeys and uh and the 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 whole book of Acts that it's kind of built on this idea of like you know the gospel going from Jerusalem Judea Samaria to the ends of the world like that being uh geographically kind of the the spread that you see throughout the book um again is is pointing to the fact that hey like what Jesus said was going to happen that his disciples would be witnesses from this place outward hey, like he's actually fulfilling that as the Holy Spirit comes. So there's like, yeah, geography in place um, because it's easy, easily assumed by the original writers and the original readers, just like if we talked about 
taking 129 to 747 and then turn left on Union Center, like we would understand. I'm that, confused. You know? <laughs> or or speaking about landmarks uh, or whatever, talking about flubs, you know, um, you know, in 2000 years, like people may not know what those things are, mm-hmm. but we get what those things are without having to say anything else or explain it. Um, man, understanding the geography, uh, be it assumed or explicit in the text, like it's super helpful, maybe in, in painting the story and, and giving some meaning that might otherwise be missed. I think it's really cool too. And it's die priding to grow in this area, but it's not just fluff or filler that mm-hmm. like, I think it's talking about Paul when he is converted and he, like he go find this person on straight street and you're just like, huh, like <laughs> it's interesting that like they name a road in the Bible, but obviously those are meant for us to like get some sort of bearing or it's proof that this person really existed on this road. Right. Even when it talks about Jesus coming back and returning on this mountain or the transfiguration happening on a certain spot, or when Moses talked to God on this mountain, all those places still exist largely. And it's just neat to be able to have your mind kind of wrapped around where those places might've been and that you could actually go there to see those places where God did do these things. Yeah. That's cool. Um, to hit on culture, uh, Michael, you kind of brought that up a little bit. Anything else around like just the, the cultural background or language norms, that kind of stuff that you guys want to bring out? This isn't to one specific book, but I think it'd be easy for us today to just miss a lot of the analogies because when you talk about culture, a lot of them were like farm based people or like shepherds or, and so many of the parables that Jesus uses or many of the analogies that the prophets use are largely towards like grain or towards the weather or towards whatever. And I think just to know if, if you live in a big city or like New York or whatever, it might be easy to dismiss over those things, but it's helpful to know like in that culture, this is how they lived. Like the Bible was written in three different languages and that maybe shapes the culture a little bit. And so there's just things to know that as you kind of dig in a little bit and see where this person was, if he was a farmer in Bethlehem or if he was a sheep herder over here, those things, those play into it and give it a kind of a, a, a color. They almost paint God's word with a color so you can understand it better. Yeah. Yeah, I think about language. Yeah, uh, that's uh, Mabel, um, <clears throat> our oldest daughter, uh, they were talking about idioms, I think, in school or whatever. And like, she's, you know, trying to like explain to her what those things are and everything. And um Man, like, I, I don't know why this is meaningful, whatever. Like, no, no, it's very important. And I'm thinking as like a person who studies the Bible or whatever, like to, to know that there are words, there are phrases that they have a literal meaning, mm-hmm. but in a cultural context, like you know, they, they take on a second meaning that means something else. And so like, for example, like hit the sack, you know, like <laughs> there's a literal meaning there that means you're punching a bag, you know, mm-hmm. but we would all just assume and understand, oh, that means you're going to go to bed. You're going to go to sleep. Um, but there are phrases and words like that actually like in the Bible, because again, it's, it's, it is not a a culturally unbound or disembodied, you know, book. Um, each book is, is entrenched in the culture that, you know, existed when it was written, uh, to its readers or whatever. And so, man, there, there are language things like that. And Michael, you mentioned the, the mnemonic devices, like the rhyming stuff or the wordplay that might carry some, you know, weight in in what a, a particular, you know, verse or passage means that, uh, it's kind of missed on us today. And so, um, yeah, so understanding some of the cultural stuff and, uh, and all that is, it can be really helpful uh, in getting what is actually being said here, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else? I'll say uh, I could also bring. Go ahead, Michael. I'm on the way. 
I'm delayed, I think. <laughs> Just go ahead. No, go ahead. We, we can hear you. Go for it. Um, I mean, that brings about tension because then you get into the, the difficulty of, of interpretation. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I mean, you, you've probably heard, if you, if you heard preaching at any period of time, well, that, that, was, that was for them, but that doesn't necessarily apply to us. You have things like uh, headdresses. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. a, a cultural difficulty, and some uh, we know people who wear headdresses. There are people part of the village who, who wear headdresses mm -hmm. because of biblical conviction. That is that is fine, but then to also say, well, yeah, but there's some some room in there for that to be contextualized to a particular culture, mm -hmm. but then to find other things that we wouldn't just dismiss. And so then, like the the difficulty of like. Uh, biblical interpretation and how you land on what is true. Uh, and I would just say culture is one of the things that makes so much of scripture um, man, hotly debated. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. As an aside to that, I think that's one of the cool things about the scripture that can even speak to us today is that if we can, if we look at, you know, again, starting with Genesis and working through the scriptures, like we see God's people begin as this like wandering nomadic group of people that own nothing and was basically squatting on land <laughs> until they bought a plot of land to like you know bury uh somebody in and then uh you know and, and god like they were his people and they were working out what it looked like to be faithful and to be his people then and there and then you fast forward and oh like they're a they're a superpower you know like they're <laughs> they're the biggest thing on you know in, in that part of the world or whatever <clears throat> military might and everything else uh, and then you fast forward and they are exiled and imprisoned, you know, uh, or you, you rewind and, hey, they're uh, enslaved in Egypt. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, you, you, you skip through 400 years of silence at the end of the, the Old Testament. And suddenly there are things like called Pharisees and Sadducees. And hmm. who are these Roman people that we didn't hear about, like at all in the Old Testament, but all of a sudden hear all these weird cultural things and uh, stuff that's going on. And yet, like, throughout all of that stuff, God is present, and his people are learning to live and to thrive and to be his people in the midst of all those things. And so God finds ways to, to uh, contextualize his message, message and his people and leading them to live faithfully no matter what that looks like. And that's one of the huge hallmarks of, of the, the New Testament is, is uh, both in the Gospels and in Acts. Um, just we see how, like, uh, the epistles too, like this mystery that uh, really was teased throughout the Old Testament, but is is made explicit in the New that hey, like this is like this gospel, this this uh, God Yahweh, um, he's inviting all kinds of people from all kinds of cultures to to be his people. Um, yeah, and so like the the reality that there's some cultural stuff that is tough to understand and interpret in the Bible, like that is uh, it's almost like a double edged sword. It's like oh, we can dig in there. And we can try to figure out, hey, what's that meaning? Uh, maybe that means we, we wear headdresses. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, maybe there's something else underneath that. But then, hey, what's that mean then for us in this particular culture? Like, d does that mean we wear headdresses? Or does that mean something different? Do we take the meaning underneath that and then apply that to today? Um, but in either case, like, there's the opportunity for us to still be God's people faithfully and for him to lead us in that, um, even though our culture today looks uh in some ways a lot like but in many many other ways nothing like you know mm -hmm. the culture of when the bible was written so i just think that's cool. yeah.
Um, anything else uh, that you guys want to hit on in terms of like just things that people need to know? Is there anything that I didn't jot down there or other stuff that you wanted to point people to? Good. Not that I have, yeah. Okay, cool. Sweet. Well, uh, we've kind of alluded to a couple of things, but like where, so, you know, we, we just threw like, Hey, here are a bunch of things that like you, you can, and maybe should be aware of before you start reading the Bible. What, um, where can folks actually find that information? And there's tons of stuff. I mean, Scott, obviously you listed like six things that are helpful in understanding the Bible. Um, just broadly, there are commentaries, concordances, dictionaries, encyclopedias, you know, websites, all these things are helpful in kind of deciphering different parts of the Bible. You know, commentaries will obviously give a commentary on a specific passage or something like that, and concordances might be helpful at breaking down a specific word or even to language studies of like with Logos. You know, you can, you can click on a word and see where it's used throughout the whole Bible and the different ways it's used. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I, it's kind of a broad question, but those are the things that I think of when you consider finding information out about the culture or about words or about a definition or meaning of something i would go to those things first yeah yeah i mean i use esv.org um every i mean darn near every day i have like a i think it's like a dollar 99 or 2.99 a month subscription and it kind of unlocks some additional commentary and helpful stuff um there are a million free resources um blue letter bible i think we've hit on mm -hmm. if you just search uh, i mean honestly if you just search you know when was uh jeremiah written i mean some of those things in terms of facts you're just going to get and they're pretty standard um and so i mean you know we can help you I, I guess the first thing would be to to submit a question and that that way you might be able to get this resource pack that we're trying to uh shoot your way um but yeah, you can use the internet to find those things. But I, I just want to put a little seed of caution in there that when you start listening to commentators, and I don't just mean somebody saying, this is agreed upon that this person wrote this around this time. But when you start, when you start reading commentaries that deal with interpretation, then, um, and this is fine, this helps us grow, but you're going to get camp theology. And what I mean by that is, um, you're going to get somebody, um, maybe, maybe like this, if you went to a doctor that was like a, a homeopathic, you know, uh, medicine and, and alternative medicine or whatever, and they're not going to subscribe you an antibiotic. Well, they would interpret your ailment a little differently than somebody that says, Oh, just take an antibiotic. And so you, you'll get a theological commentary that begins to not just tell you what we know, but also speculate, interpret that's true for different preachers. That's true for us. And so we would say, even when you're listening to us, me as a preacher, man, like have your guard up and like uh, make sure that you're looking at the Bible to know what, what is true. Um, so yeah, that's the only thing I would say that, that commentaries, commentators begin to have a theological camp in which they interpret scripture. That's important to know. Absolutely. I think I mentioned this last time, like there's kind of two, two clumps of resources i mean there's probably more than this but two clumps there's the um, there's study stuff that might just simply say hey this is what that means and then there's uh, there's other resources that try to world build around and doesn't necessarily tell you what it means but lets you connect the dots in some way 
Um, and both are super helpful. Uh, some of the stuff that we talked about today, a lot of it, genre, author, time, place, all that stuff. A lot of those things are the more the world building stuff that hey, they're factual in some sense that people can agree upon. Um, yeah, but, but then there's also the other camp of like, gosh, yeah, th this is simply what that means then. And so I think it becomes important to then have both of those kinds of resources um, and, and also to have like a wide uh, range of people that you're listening to. Um, at least that's for, that's what I uh, would, would suggest is like, man, don't just listen to kind of one, one echo chamber or, or one tribe or camp of people, but like, hey, spread it out a little bit and then see which one seems to like connect the dots best based on what you know are around the Bible and invite other people into that conversation too. So, yeah. That's good. Um, in terms of like, man, again, those folks who may hear that and, and feel overwhelmed or whatever, like, um, or, or discouraged because it seems like, yeah, that's, shoot, that's a lot of work. <laughs> no, like, what would you, like, what would you encourage them with? Or what, what would you say uh, to anyone feeling that way listening to this? I think that, and we probably said it's another podcast, but we feel the same way sometimes, you know, like after, not that I've been in-depth studying the Bible for, you know, tons of years, but I started in high school kind of studying a little bit more, and I still feel rather overwhelmed all the time when you get into it, because you know that there's so much there, and you could read it five times and continue to unearth new truth and new meaning and new ways that God is working in you. The second thing I would say is that when it feels overwhelming, that's okay. You know, like this is good stuff and it's worth the work to, to dig and to sit with it and to be somewhat even frustrated with it. Like, I think that's, you know, God is God and he knows, you know, billion times more than we ever could. And so there's no way that we're ever going to know all that is to know about the Bible. And so I think it's, it's almost in a way healthy to feel overwhelmed, right? If you felt like you had a great handle on all the Bible study, that would almost be scary, in my opinion. And so to, to feel overwhelmed, certainly we, we should be able to grow in how we understand the Bible and how we um, look at a passage of scripture, maybe have like handlebars like we've talked about. But I think we should never lose that almost feeling of being a little overwhelmed or a little awed by what is there. Yeah, that is... Great. I, I said, I jotted down the same thing. If you're overwhelmed and you're still listening to this podcast, you know, what, uh, two and a half hours in or whatever, um, then you're in the right place because you probably care about God's word, or at least the spirit is prompting you to begin to have a desire to grow mm -hmm. and know. And, and all this stuff, you know, maybe you, you won't have a, a, a handle on all the things that we said today or all the, all the words that we said. But when one of these words comes up again, or when you see some connections, you'll begin to like, you know, build the web that is your, your own knowledge base, your own connections. And so, um, yeah, I think I said this last time, but reading the Bible and, and striving to know God is, is always about the long run. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I think um, some of the misconceptions that we talked about, that, you know, it's the coffee cup and, and the Pinterest quote that you're searching um, when you're reading the Bible, it, it doesn't feel that way. Um, it feel, sometimes it might feel like you're like walking through a swamp and, and that's okay. Um, and so it's, it's about the long game and you building over time a relationship that thirsts and that longs for and makes, makes connections about God's word. Yeah. I think that's where like the balance of, uh, of 
just reading and, and relieving yourself of the pressure of having to understand everything and maybe just opening up the Bible and just reading it for, for what's in front of you. Like that, that's okay. It's really helpful, I think, to, to do that. Um, and it's also helpful to dig in. And so I think there's the, I think having both sorts of reading or interaction with the Bible um, is healthy. Uh, so not just to do one or the other, but do both. Um, and and I, I think you'll find that like, if you are able to do that, um, you'll gain an appreciation for just like the, the big story of scripture and, and you'll glean things as you go, um, but also the complexity of it, you know, as well. Like, like both of you guys said, it's, it's a lifelong thing to try to wrestle with this. And even, you know, I mean, we certainly uh, feel it every time that, that we're trying to, to teach it or say what we think it means and all that stuff. Like that's a weight. Um, but even just in uh, our, our personal lives, studying and reading too, like it, it is sometimes tough. Um, and that's exactly how it should feel. <laughs> I think if we're yeah. studying it, uh, there is a weight to it. There is a difficulty there. Uh, there is not a time machine that you can hop back in and just go back and ask them. You kind of have to build the time machine from the little bits that we know and, and try to figure out, you know, what's going on or whatever. And so it's hard work. Um, but also, man, like relieve yourself of the pressure of having to get all the things and understand all there is to understand right now. Um, how does this, so like we kind of broke down uh, like all the bits and pieces of all, you know, different books and all those things. Like how does that uh, all together, like actually not, I mean, hopefully it helps us see the, the diversity and all the different facets of the scripture, but how even in doing that, does that help, um, help us see kind of the, the unifying story, the unifying themes um, of the Bible? I mean, I would say what you'll find as you're reading the stories that we like are the ones that have a beginning, a middle, and end, a resolve, an arc of, you know, and this isn't even a, a biblical concept. I mean, it, it is, but an arc of redemption, a, a, a once upon a time, a tension, and, a, and drama, and the resolve and sunshine, and the kingdom gets restored, and all those things. And what you'll find in reading the scripture is you you nearly never get that in a particular book, in a particular piece, in a particular paragraph. It, it's just like perpetual, like, and, and it just ended there, you know, like, what is this? And so when, when you put, um, I say all the time, I'm a big picture uh, minded person. And so the small things don't mean nearly as much to me until I have like an understanding of the big concepts. And so I, I think that's true in, in looking at, you know, the, the who, what, when, where, why, all those things, how they fit in, you couch them in a century, uh, you, you couch them in, a, you know, in, in what was going on with God's people at that time. And then you put that uh, in line with what happened just after that. And what happened just, you put it all together and you have this huge story, but those little unresolved segments, and they're really, uh, they're really valuable for us to like continue to figure out how the things, you know, work together. I don't have a lot else to add. I thought that was really good, but I think all that together just shows the extent that God goes to, to help us to see his fullness in, in his creation and the family that he works through in redemption. And he tries to show you it from this angle. And he tries to, in another place, show you it from this angle. And says, look at it like this and maybe from top down. And I think like you can see that 
gosh, like he wants us to get it. He's trying to say this, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. Look at it from here and here and here. And the more places we can kind of understand that, the more fully we will understand the Bible as a whole picture or a whole book. Yeah. I think it, it, yeah, the, the variations in the scripture, like they, I think allow everyone to find themselves somewhere in the scripture, which is not a, that's not a hermeneutic. That's not like a way of studying the Bible. We don't say, Hey, put yourself in the Bible and like, it's all about you. Um, but, but in terms of like the kind of person that you think you are, there's probably a kind of person just like that, like in the scripture somewhere. And so if you've cheat on your spouse, if you have a temper, you know, if, uh, uh, if you are young and feel like, well, no one's going to listen to me, uh, even though I feel like I have something to say, you know, like wh- whoever you think that you are, whatever you think may disqualify you or keep you out of God's family or his kingdom, like he's probably used someone just like you and probably someone that's far worse than you, <laughs> like in his, in his story of redemption. And we get to see all that um, from all the different vantage points, you know, that we have in the scriptures from those who write poetry and write songs to, to those who are, you know, writing history or writing stories or whatever, and all the people and all the, the characters and players that are involved in that. And so like God is the one constant um, throughout, like all of the genres, uh, all of the authors, all of the time and history and, you know, world events that are going on uh, that we read about through the thousands of years encapsulated in the scriptures. Um, and that's a really cool thing. Uh, so while, while history changes and the players change and the people are all different, like, and God is the same. Um, and it's the, the thread of Michael, to your point, like, uh, all of them together, like starting at creation and leading to a new creation with God and his people again, that is, that is encouraging. That's hopeful. And I think it's like, a it's not a, it, it's a happily ever after. It's not a, the end. It's a, it's a happily ever after. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know. I think that's encouraging. That's great. Uh, cool. Well, next week, um, we are going to talk about, um, man, like how can we trust the Bible? Um, which will hit on, you know, basically like how we got it, uh, how is it written and, and how do we know that what we have today is actually, um, anything at all, like what, what the original authors wrote. So we'll talk uh, about that next week. Um, may throw an episode in there about like reading the Bible, uh, with Christ at the center, like in a Christ centered way. Um, so that might be a separate episode. Uh, that might be something we hit in the Q and R or whatever, but, uh, yeah, at least a couple more episodes, um, left in the series reminder. If you have questions, if this sparked anything that you want us to talk about, uh, send us your question or your prompt. We'd love to address that later. Um, and thanks so much for listening slash watching if you made it this far. Uh, thanks. Hope this is helpful and we'll see you, uh, see you back next week.